Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. We are one day closer to the Super Bowl. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. We all knew that Aaron Rodgers was a space shot. I mean, that was evident. He's got that whole West Coast vibe. You know, kind of the tree-hugging rolling, doobie-smoking, pants-hanging-to-the-crack-of-your-ass-wearing type of guy. That's that's Aaron Rodgers. But four days' worth of complete silence, four days of a dark room where literally food and water will come through a a small window, and he's going to do it in the company of just himself. It's, It's truly one of the most bizarre things that I can think of, historically speaking, when it comes to an athlete. Now, I think the best story of all time is Doc Ellis when he went the way of Jimi Hendrix and had, um, you know, LSD in his bandana, which sunk into his skull as he threw a no-hitter. There's the old story about, I believe it was Pascal Perez, maybe wrong, uh, couldn't find the old Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta, even though he played for the Atlanta Braves. Those are pretty good stories, okay? But nothing like this. Um, I don't even know what to make of it. Uh, I really believe that he is an attention seeker, and he's getting it right now. He's got three years remaining on his contract in Green Bay, but the feeling is he's going to come out of these four days, and he is going to decide where he will go next. I believe he comes out announces that he wants to play and will, in fact, um, you know, seek a trade. I, I, I believe that's what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. But what a really odd man. And, you know, I've done my best to stay away from his personal life. Whenever he dates someone, whether it's Danica Patrick or whomever, it, it gets a lot of play. There's only a few athletes. There's only a few football players where truly they're – off-the-field activities, especially with who they are dating. There's only a few people that, uh, you know, the general public care about enough to actually monitor what they are doing. But That happens with Aaron Rodgers. He's got some real junk out there with his family, and I've been asked about it before, and I'm kind of like, you know, that that doesn't mean anything to me. I'm sure he has his reasons. Uh, for why that is. And, you know, I've never really taken upon myself to dive that deep into it. I know some things have been written. I know things have been said. It's just not all that important to me. 
But when you look at what he's done the last couple of years by illegally or unethically or whatever it was, he took like this uh, nature's uh, serum, uh, if you will, that I don't even know if it was legal, illegal, but he didn't get the jab. He didn't take what was, um, you know, at the time, mandatory uh, for for these players as far as the vaccine. He went the way of uh, kind of a health, um, whatever it was. Uh, Again, it was a very fictitious story. It it didn't really end uh, with any certainty. It didn't end with the final conclusion of, oh, okay, this is what he did. This is what he was allowed to do. I thought the NFL slept, you know, I did. I thought the NFL absolutely swept it under the rug uh, with Aaron Rodgers. But this one's really bizarre. Imagine spending four days by yourself in a pitch dark home. It, um, it, just, it, it just makes no sense to me. And he says it's very profound. He says he has friends who have done this and they live by it. They swear by it. I mean, there's about a million things that I can think of that I would rather do than spend four days alone. What are you going to do in that time? I would think you would go stir crazy. You, you talk about solitary confinement, and, you know, I read a lot about criminals. I, I, I read a lot about serial killers and the mob when I'm not into uh, what I'm doing here when it comes to uh, preparing for a show. that That's kind of my thing away from sports. I, I'm a big fan of uh, – figuring out, you know, true crime and the and the mob and, and what, in fact, made them tick. But you've always heard about solitary confinement, right? 23 hours a day at times in a, in a small little cell with zero communication. And you always hear the same thing. It ends up just driving people crazy, right? Why would Aaron Rodgers elect to do this? Maybe I care more about it than you do. Maybe to you it's like a meaningless story. It's like another classic, hey, look at me. Uh, I am, in fact, Aaron Rodgers. If that's the case, fine. If it's not the case, you want to comment, as always, right here on this Tuesday night. The best way for you to get to us is on the text line, and that number is 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. So we move one day closer to the big game. I'm technically not even allowed to say Super Bowl, right? Or I can't promote any type of Super Bowl event. Um, The NFL will sue you. The NFL has gone after churches before. Uh, I remember I was reading about it earlier today. It was back in 2008. There were several churches that were notified by the NFL that they were not allowed to have Super Bowl parties, okay, because it, you know, you're talking about congregations here, getting together, good people, uh, believers in the Lord, and family, and friends, and they're going to throw a Super Bowl party, and I guess they were going to charge admission because they were going to have food there, I imagine drinks there, and can you imagine being a member of the NFL? You know, it... There's always a starting part in in every company with every job. Can you imagine working for the NFL and it's your responsibility to pick up the phone and call a local church and say, you're not allowed to have a Super Bowl party, and if you do, we're going to sue you, 
Okay? Now, if you want to call it the big game party, okay, how about it? And uh, thank you for your time. It's it's really, it really sucks. It does. I mean, there's so much money involved here. Why would the NFL, who is so far ahead of everything else, Okay, when I talk hockey, people say, shut it, Baloo, move back to Boston. I try to get into some early baseball, and I will in a week when pitchers and catchers report. Uh, I'm going to get the same thing. We talked a little golf yesterday. I checked the text line. I checked Twitter. There were some people telling me golf is boring, and who cares? You want football, football, football. College football disappears. College football's gone. I mean, college football, we won't hear a lick. In college football, there'll be a tiny taste around here after, you know, the spring game in Gainesville and the spring game in God's country and the spring game over in Athens. And But, but that's it. College football is dead right now. And, and anytime you hear a story in college football, it's a bad story. You know, it's about the $13 million that the quarterback, uh, Rashada, was supposed to get paid, and we got the details on it. And you know, now he's moved along. It, today it was announced that uh, a four-star from Miami is asking out of his release. By the way, they did get a defensive coordinator today, did the Canes. I know we'll get comments from uh, J.J. LaSalva on that coming up in a little bit. But the NFL doesn't – why be this way? Do the owners – are they that offended that a local church is probably charging five bucks a head to put together all these good people for an event, yet the NFL stands up with their broad shoulders and they will tell you that cannot happen. And I'm telling you, I'm not going to mention any names. This goes back to the late 90s. I remember a restaurant around here in the late 90s when we were trying to put together a big game party. And I think back then the word Super Bowl got mentioned a couple of times and in little old Jacksonville. Uh, we even heard about it. So, anyway, you want to comment on that? You can. 641-1010 is the best way to get a hold of us, as always, right here on the uh, text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. All right. There's a lot I want to do tonight. You know, Tuesdays, we do it a little bit later, uh, as you know. And tomorrow night, Thursday night, Friday night, we will be with you uh, from 6 until 8 o'clock. Uh, I got to say this. Deion Sanders, okay? I'm a huge fan. I went to Florida State the same time that Deion Sanders did. I was actually in a couple of classes with Deion, and he was pompous. He was arrogant, but he was brilliant. He's one of the greatest self-promoters of all time, and I think he's been misconstrued in a lot of circles. If you were to – if I was to say to you tonight, quick – Give me the top 10 best trash talkers of all time. I have a feeling a lot of you out there would put the name Deion Sanders on that list. That's totally wrong because Deion Sanders never ripped the opponent. Deion Sanders never ripped wide receivers, and and he had feuds with Jerry Rice, and he had feuds with Andre Rice, but he never openly ripped them. He never criticized quarterbacks the way that Jalen Ramsey did. A couple of years ago, what Dion did was self-promote and he's right there with Brian Bosworth as arguably the greatest self-promoter in the history of college football. But again, it's looked at differently because you think Dion, you think a lot of things, you think he's cocky, 
all he's done is self-promote. Now, I've been a little embarrassed by the way that he has handled himself since he showed up in Boulder, Colorado. I, I, I thought it was, and I've, I've followed it religiously here, from, from his opening comments when he walks into the auditorium and, you know, you got his players there slouching down, wearing ball caps, looking at phones, and, and Dion comes in and clears the room. And he tells them the way that it is going to be. And to me, I thought it was um, a little bit too much about himself. It, for, it was one of the first times I've ever heard a head coach speak where it didn't feel like it was about the team. It felt like it was about him, okay? And that was my early vibe on all of this. He's done a lot of things since. Some I agree with, some I disagree with. But he did something about a week and a half ago that just blew me away. And, you know, I listened to it and I read it. And then it kind of hit me this way. Why hasn't anything like this happened before? And if it has, I've just missed it. If you didn't hear the story in Colorado, what Deion Sanders did is he brought in some women. And he brought in some women to talk to his team on how women should be treated, how they should be talked to, how they should be treated, what they want, what they like, and what they expect. And, you know, it just kind of all came to me. Here we are in a world where everything is changing. It's right in front of our face. I mean, every aspect of life is changing. And a lot of it, guys my age and older, we don't like. You know, the same old, same old can apply in a lot of ways. Go to the same restaurant, order the same food. You know, go to the same uh, place to do this. Same, you know, go to the same beach, go to the same golf courses. I'm just trying to think of things that, that, that I do um, regularly. We, we, we kind of like the same old, same old. But I was thinking about this approach with Dion, and I was like, man, what a genius. Why haven't other schools done this? And again, if they have, I apologize. I just haven't heard it. But it got me thinking, when did everything change? Okay, when I grew up, it was simple. It was yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. It was open the door. It was a smile. It was ladies first. It was women first. It was that way whether you liked or disliked the individual. There was a certain amount of respect and class that that's the way that grown men rolled. And even boys turning into men rolled. So where did all this change? I mean, I'm very aware of what is going on. Pop culture, I'm into it, man. I watch all the shows. I watch all the movies. I read all the books. The only thing that that I haven't come with you with is, is music. Today's music sucks. There's, there's no, I'm not even going to waste any more time on it. Today's music is awful. I go to yesteryear's music, and I'm happy. But everything else, I'm totally in tune with. At what point did treating women the way that women are being treated, when did it all come about? And the terms that are used to describe women and ladies 
I know some of it is a term of endearment or some of it is, you know, kind of you and the boys, you and the guys, you know, you're going to refer to them in this particular way. It's very disturbing uh, to me. And I've always felt that way. I mean, at what point did we notice that things like this were in fact taking place. And, you know, I can tell you something. I, I remember being back here in the, when the Jaguars came into existence. And you had a bunch of guys like me in the locker room three, four days a week. And then all of a sudden, you know, Bonnie Bernstein walks in. And almost every head in that locker room is like, Bonnie Bernstein's here. Oh, my, Leslie Visser is here. Andrea Kramer is here. It was unbelievable. You know, it, it was like... You couldn't even explain it. You know, it was, a, it was a totally different look. It was a totally different feel. Listen, I'm not going to solve this tonight, all right? But when did that happen? And more importantly, why did that happen? I think it's awful. I think it's disgusting. I really do. Where did the lack of respect go from men to women and you know, women's rights is totally taken off. Feminism is totally taken off. Okay? I'm not even trying to battle those type of things. I'm just wondering about simple, normal decency, etiquette. Things like opening a door. Things like you're both going uh, to the convenience store, cash register, and, you know, you're in a race uh, with, a, with a woman. The old days was the woman goes first. This is no if and buts about it. I mean, she's going first. That's just normal. That all changed. And I credit Deion Sanders for bringing these professionals in and having them talk to these young men, you know, 18 to 21 years of age, and tell them this is the way that you are supposed to do things. I thought it was outstanding. Anyway, just my opinion. You want to voice yours, and I have a feeling we'll hear from some of you tonight on that particular topic. Uh, by all means, bring it. Now, if you start giving me stuff that's not arable, you're not going to fool me, okay? I'm not going to read stuff that um, is not presentable uh, for the program and, and our listeners. But I'm very interested in this. And. You know, if you have a couple of brothers and you have a dude coming up to take your sister out on a date and he's acting that way and talk, I mean, how, how do you handle it? Seriously. Or daughters? It's, it, it's, a, it's a really, really interesting set of circumstances. It has completely changed. If you were to dig up granddaddies and they were to see today the way a lot of people talk to women, they would be absolutely, totally shocked. That's the truth. Let's get some things rolling. Are we on YouTube tonight, JJ LaSalva? We are on YouTube. All you got to go to do is uh, attend to Excel's YouTube page and we're the first video. Let's come back. Maybe you can shed light on this since you're 20-some-odd years younger than me, um, so you may not even remember some of the things that I just said as far as the age difference, but uh, it's there. It, it, it's there in music. It's there in street cred. It's there in our everyday life, and I'm just trying to figure out why it happened. By the way, the reason why I'm mentioning this is out of respect 
for Deion Sanders. I, I thought his early stuff was all about him. But this particular move, in my opinion, showed me that maybe he gets it and, and maybe he's going to end up being, uh, if he can be half the coach he was of a player, uh, then he's going to end up being all right for Colorado. All right, we got a lot to do. 641-1010, best way to get us. That is on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. 3-3. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Beautiful night to take the uh, Phillips Highway stroll. Even when it comes to this, I've always been very respectful and have referred to them as the ladies of the night. There's a lot of slang terminology uh, that I could use, and I have elected not to. Just trying to figure it out. I am. I, I mean, and I feel good about doing things like this because we have a wicked smart audience, and when I ask, you typically do deliver. I just don't know where it came. And and also, do me this, please. Because I was so, I mean, I had full access to Bobby Bowden's Florida State teams. And I've known a lot about Spurrier and the great coaches at Miami and, and, and all the coaches who have come into all three schools after the fact, coaches who have failed and coaches who have had success. I've never heard of this before. I'm not saying it, it hasn't happened. I'm just saying that I was never aware of anything like it. And it's genius. It really is. I mean, it could end up making a, a major difference uh, within a program, doing the right thing as opposed to doing the wrong thing. And, you know, they used to have, they used to have something in the NFL called the Rookie Symposium. It's no longer with us because for one reason or another, it's probably because it costs the NFL money. Uh, to fly all the rookies into the same space, and it was a two or three day, um, it was a, it, it was a two or three day course where they taught you everything about the NFL. They taught you how to keep away from the hangers on, you know, the posse. They told you how to invest and do the right things with your money. They 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 told you how to eat. They told you how to sleep. I mean, they literally told you how to do everything because. It was a totally new world coming from college football where you're an amateur to the NFL where all of a sudden now you're getting paid. And not only are you getting paid, but there's just so much money. And it's unlike anything you've ever experienced before. But I'll never forget this story. And I'm trying to remember who told it to. It was it Ronaldo Wynn maybe or uh, – I'm trying to remember the man who delivered this story. But it, it, it goes like this. They're, they're all at the symposium, and again, they're at an auditorium. They're at a theater or something. And they do a skit, okay? They, they do a skit where, you know, there's eight, eight to ten people at a restaurant bar. And it's after a game. And he, in come walks a dude who had a great game, as an NFL player. And, you know, they're doing this skit. They're having some cocktails at the bar as a bartender and all this type of stuff. And everyone's kind of oohing and on. Then all of a sudden, here she comes. Here comes the beautiful lady. She walks in to uh, on stage and, and walks up to the football star and 
you know, make some comments and then he makes some comments and, you know, they, they do a shot or whatever. And then he grabs her hand and they walk and you open a door and there's a bedroom and there's a bed and all the players on, ooh, ooh, ah, you know, all that stuff. They walk out like two minutes later and, and people are clapping. And then finally the lady grabs the microphone and says to all of the players, yeah, it was fun. I also have the AIDS virus, and the chances are that this 21-year-old player now has AIDS as well. And every single person at this symposium, their jaw drops to their stomach because they cannot believe it. But that's the message that got sent. And Hopefully, for a lot of young men, it, it it worked. For others, you know, they just kind of live and die by whatever it is they want to do. And that, that probably applies to everyone out there listening. But that was a real, that was a real story that, well, actually, it was, a, it was a fictitious story presented as a real story that I have to believe had a major effect on a lot of rookies coming into the league. So why haven't we had anything like this with what Dion is actually doing? at Colorado. And again, if it's happened, I've never heard of it. I think it's brilliant. JJ, tell me, you're younger than I am. Uh, when did, since you've been old enough, is this always been the case? When uh, Again, I, I remember manners and respect and women and children first and, and, and talking only one way to ladies. It's changed recently. How about in your lifetime? Has it basically been the same? I actually am... I guess I would say I'm lucky that I'm around a lot of people who still treat women like that. But I know what you mean. I think a lot of it's music. I think it's hip-hop music. I also think it's dads not being around. I think it's a product of divorce. All of the above. Yeah. Prime example is yours truly. I'm a divorced dad. Florida law sucks. I'm not blaming you for this. No, no, no. Florida law sucks if you're a man. You're a man and you're divorced. You're, you're getting screwed right now. You are getting screwed over, okay? Because I know I did. And I think that that's, that's true. I think in, in my generation, I'm trying to think of all my boys in Boston. There was only one, let's say I had 12, 13 really good, 12, 13 really good friends. I can only think of, of, of one mom and dad who got divorced in that time period. Uh, I think today... It's the opposite. It's If it's 13, it's probably six or seven. Exactly. At but, least. At least. And and I got to tell you, you know, I just... Things weren't always happy and rosy. I was came from, you know, it was a middle-class section right outside of Boston where th- th- this weren't rich kids. Okay, and, and obviously money can create all sorts of, uh, of angst and problems uh, within a family. But the point I'm trying to make is that you basically stuck with one another for one reason or another. And maybe that reason simply was the kids are in junior high, the kids are in high school. We're staying together until we do our job as a mom and dad and get them an education. Exactly. Um, nowadays... That's not happening. I, I'm I'm not here to make some social commentary on anything, but it's just the facts. I mean, like, less fathers are in homes. 
Mm-hmm. And that's huge. I mean, that 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 it's a, has a lot more to do with, you know, just how you treat women. That's everything. You know, if you don't have a dad in the home, you're already way behind on life. It yeah. sucks. Anyway, I, I wanted to share that with you because, um, you know, I was I was I was kind of disappointed in the in the early what I had witnessed with Deion Sanders. I I was just kind of like, I mean, he's making it all about Deion. He and and I still feel that way. Uh, but he's hired some some pretty good coaches. Okay, and I think he just stole a cornerback away from Miami. Yep. today again, the four star. Uh, that's rumored, right. but he's also a Kevin Steele guy, so he might go to Alabama. Yeah, Kevin Steele's going to go to Alabama. No, but the kid is, like, close with Kevin Steele. Yeah, yeah. I uh, just want to give Deion Sanders credit for this, and, and again, if you're joining us for the first time, uh, when did all of this change? And, um, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't see it changing back. That's the point <laughs> as well. It's almost like it's done. It, it's going. You've gone too yeah, far. It's only going deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, again, if you're aware of any story, you know, collegiate-wise, where a coach has done this the way that Deion Sanders did, please let me know because this honestly is the first time I've ever heard of it. All right, we'll get some stuff in on that coming in a little bit. Uh, a lot on my early comments with Aaron Rodgers. Seventy-one sixty-nine says Blue Phil Jackson used to trip all the time. And lit a joint on live TV. Yeah, I mean, Phil Jackson was a deadhead. Phil Jackson was a Harley Davidson driving through Montana, you know, staring at the stars type of guy. And he loved his hemp. Uh, There's no doubt about that. But four days alone in a home? I mean, who the hell would sign up for that? 22-22 says, Baloo, the Aaron Rodgers thing sounds great to me to be able to shut out all the noise and distractions of daily life for four days would be great. I wish I could afford to do it from the 22. Really? Four days? I mean, I could see I could see a day, and I, I still wouldn't want it to be pitch dark. G- give me a day overlooking the ocean and, you know, give me a case of beer. And a couple of cigars, uh, then, and and no one's around. Oh, fine, I got you there. But but four days of nothing but complete darkness at all, and just you in your deep thoughts. I go crazy. How long could you? There's no way I could do four days. I don't even think I could do an afternoon. Listen. There's ways to get the hallucinogenic feel without being in a room for four days. It's called mushrooms and acid. Or what he's an ayahuasca guy. You know, I I just think he is like at the point where he's done all of that and this is like, oh, this is the next adventure. He's just an adventurous guy. I honestly don't even believe that he's going to do it for four exactly. days. Exactly. But Exactly. He's going to tell the media that's his plan. It's almost like a pitch. So guys like me, uh, guys like us in Jacksonville are, are, are wasting our time tonight talking about how Aaron Rodgers is, is going away for four days. Also, you can we looked it up earlier this afternoon. Plenty of, uh, I don't know what they're called, deprivation, whatever's, rooms in Florida. And I was thinking, can we just, can I rent out my apartment and just turn off all the lights you know, close the blinds and make a few hundred bucks from someone sitting in my apartment for a couple of days. Can we do a show from one yeah. of those? 
Uh, the 5882 says, Blue, I believe Aaron is doing sensor deprivation. That's it. When it's forced on you, it sucks. Done by choice. It can be very inspiring. All right, that's from the 5882. Okay. Um, hopefully you're listening. Tell me how, because I'm all ears here. Tell me how this can be inspiring. I mean, I, I, I've heard of, uh, you know, rehabilitation, treatment, um, you know, trying to get yourself off of uh, gambling, drugs, alcohol. Typically, when you hear things like this, it's because there's a problem. There's not a problem here with Aaron Rodgers. He's not detoxing. Right. He's trying to he's trying to clear his mind. He's detoxing bad thoughts. How can that be inspiring? Get back to me on that, the 5882. It I've, sounds like something we would do in Guantanamo Bay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 0107, Blue, just because you are not at the house at a divorce doesn't mean you can't be an active dad in your child's life. Very true. Uh, too many become an absentee parent. No doubt about it there. I miss the days when my girls were young. Regardless of the activity, I was always there. And... Yeah, I kind of hate it now that they're older. But um, you're right about that. Still not the same. And, you know, for dads, I, I you know, no one's going to change my mind. Florida law, if you're a divorced dad, um, it's terrible. Uh, it really is. Uh, 5085, Blue, 39-year-old male. My parents separated for months and years when I was young, long enough for my dad to buy his own house. But it's like being said they came together to raise my older brother and I as a family don't think that that is reality anymore. Well, yes. And again, I'm, I, it's my age group that is so much to blame about this because we didn't fight through tough times. And we also have been way too easy on kids, okay? I mean, one school to another. You know, you work two weeks at a job and all of a sudden, you know, the manager wants you to come in and cover a shift and you don't want to cover that shift and you quit. It's, this, has been going on, this has been going on forever. It's always the, you know, the, the, the generation before you had it tougher than the generation of now. But damn it, it's true. And it's not the kid's fault. It's not the Generation Z kid's fault. It's... Parents like me, it's our fault for being so damn soft. And I'll tell you something right now to that divorced dad who just rang me up. Okay? When you're a divorced dad and you get to see him on a Wednesday and a weekend, you're going to gush over him. I remember there were times the ex-wife's like, so-and-so's in trouble, she did this. And I'm like, so I get her for one night and you think I'm going to ground her? You, you think that I'm going, well, you're the dad. You have, it's just, it's terrible. It is. But I, I'm sure there are dads out there that they, they can hear that and say, yeah, the, the ex-wife is like, she's in trouble. Oh, is she really now? She's in trouble because she didn't do what you said at your home. Now I get her for one night. And, and so, yeah. That becomes our fault. Instead of being a family where you can discipline and do whatever it is that needs to be done to teach him or teach her right from wrong, I think we overdo it. And the way to overdo it is by being too easy or reaching even deeper. I mean, I got my daughter a car at 16. 
I didn't have a car until I was 23. At you know, I I, I I never thought of having a car. I mean, the day she turned 16, it was like, get her license, get her a car. Went right over here to Key, Key Buick GMC, where I bought my truck and my girlfriend's beautiful Buick. I I bought her a used car, and that's being soft, right? Trying to do the right thing. All right. Let's get off this. Um, actually, a ton's rolling in now on it. A couple of interesting topics uh, here that, that I wanted to hammer. I, I am going to get to the redraft on the Jaguars, but I wanted to get to it a little bit late tonight because I, I, I would like to uh, also, for a different audience, uh, attack this tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. The rest of the week, we will be with you from 6 to 8, of course, on uh, Tuesday night. We are here after the fantastic ladies of helmets and heels. We love them. Three. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Into the Night with I've Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. And the vision Hum. That was planted in my brain. I can feel it. It's still remains. It's the Jets, damn it! J E T S Jets. That's my prediction after four days in the hole for Aaron Rodgers. He comes out a new man and says he wants to rewrite history. Weeb Eubank, Joe Namath, the Gang Green, Mark Gastineau, Joe Klecko. Freeman McNeil, Jeff Lagerman, and the New York Jets. So there you go. Getting a lot of stuff in on this now. I, I, I mean, I got to, I haven't, you know, I've had two days off since July. I'm going to Costa Rica in two weeks. I'm thinking about canceling that trip and just renting a shack somewhere on the west side and going in there for four days. Maybe that's what I need. Uh, 9069 says, boo, I'm all for isolation and whatever else this term is. I don't even know what the heck it is. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers didn't even bother to learn his receivers' names. So F-bomb him as a quarterback. Uh, sensory deprivation can unlock neural pathways in the mind that can help, his, uh, help him learn new things, which is a mid-30-year-old. Uh, which very hardened pathways could be very beneficial to his problem-solving skills, could be great for a quarterback who might begin sensing physical limitations. That's deep. That is. I, I, and, again, I, I do not know anything about this. I know nothing. Many of you may be saying, Blue, you know nothing anyway, okay? But I know nothing about sensory deprivation. But this is interesting. You're telling me that it's going to, it could affect him solve some physical skills that he, as a 39-year-old, and he'll be 40, I I believe his birthday's in December, so he'll play most of this year at 39 and will turn 40 that by doing this, it can affect things physically. Very interesting. Absolutely very interesting. Uh, 5882, Blue, I believe Aaron is doing the sense of deprivation. When it, okay, I already read that one. It's like LSD or meditation or shrooms. Okay. So just take those. 
can turn the lights on. Hey, you man. You can watch a movie. Take those and, and listen to some Simon and Garfunkel. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, let's say in a hypothetical world, I've tripped before, okay? Yeah. I probably would enjoy listening to music. It's like the best thing to do mm-hmm. in that state. And instead, you're in a dark room for four music. days. Music. Yeah, I mean, music is so... Is so uh, it can really change your life. I was just about to say life. I, I believe that. I mean, sports to me is, well, it's been my occupation. It's been my profession my entire life. Okay, and I love it. But I'll also be the first one to raise my hand and tell you that regardless of, of what game I'm covering and one sport that I'm covering, it's not nearly as good today as it used to be. I mean, I can't even watch the NBA anymore. It's three-on-one and guys pulling up, taking three-pointers. It's a three-point contest. All right. Hockey, I thought it got a little bit better when they lifted the red line, so no more two-line pass. We get some more open opportunities. But look at the size of the goalie equipment. And then you got all this finesse style. We're going to bring in the Russians, and we're going to bring in the folks from Finland and Sweden and Norway. And they're soft. You know, they're kind of like, you ever watch the Three Stooges when uh, Joe was very limited? It was always Curly, Dr. Curly, Dr. Larry, Dr. Moe, Dr. Moe, Dr. Larry, Dr. Curly, Dr. Herbie, Dr. Herbie, Kirk Herbstreit as well. But Joe was in very few episodes. He'd always be like, oh, not so hard when Moe would beat him up. That's the way it is with these foreign players in hockey, okay? They're fuzzy. And the physical game of hockey is gone. They don't fight anymore. You you ever notice that in hockey back in the day, even when there were goons, the fourth line, the goon line with henchmen, they policed themselves. And they policed themselves with what? Their fists. So nowadays... You can't tell anyone apart because they're all. It's kind of like on the PGA Tour. If you're not a star, it's the same looking guy, same swing, same build. It's the same thing in the National Hockey League because no one fights anymore. And what do they do? They take liberties at your star. There's a lot of stick work, which is far more serious as far as an injury than just fighting one on one. And these guys would fight. They'd spend five minutes in the penalty box, and it was over. There was no retaliation like baseball when you beanball a guy, then it carries over to the next series. And I never have been one to bite off the hand that feeds me. Don't get me wrong. I love sports. And I will never spend a lot of time telling you that something is not really good in the sports that we watch. But compared to the way it used to be? I mean, look, look at what's what's the knucklehead's name? Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer, same guy who said that Jacksonville was an awful city for an NFL franchise. Trent Dilfer um, is the worst Super Bowl winning quarterback uh, in our history. But he made a big deal the other day. He's like, oh, you know, Brady and man, they're not the best. The best are, and he was referencing like Bradshaw and Staubach and all of these players back in the day, and he got really criticized for this. But I I understood his point, okay? If you're my age or older, or maybe even a little bit younger, and you watched football in the 70s and the 80s, 
or into the 90s, and you compare football then to football now, it's not even a comparison. It was such a better game then. I mean, quarterbacks used to get the living snot beaten out of them. Wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. Try running a route against Dick Night, uh, Dick Night Train Lane. Try running a route against Mel Blunt. And, and, and hitting guys over, you know, running patterns, running routes over the middle part of the field. It was a better game then. I understand why they make the changes because guys are getting hurt. Guys getting paralyzed. You have guys now with CTE. You got guys now with concussions. It's going to be incredible to see the way that Roger Goodell spins an 18% uptick in concussions. Last year, he told you, he told every NFL fan that the addition of a 17th game actually reduced the number of concussions. Okay, I mean, think about that. This man gets paid $57 million a year, and he tried to tell you that more games equals less concussions. And I can hear you right now. You're like, Blue, shut up. We want more football. We have a 17th game. We want it. We have two extra playoff games now. We had a third wild card game uh, on a, uh, what, on a Saturday, and then we had you know, uh, an extra wild card game in the AFC, an extra wild card game in the I, I want it too. You want it. I get it. But they try to spin certain things, and you know, this is going to be – the Roger Goodell press conference is going to be backtrack after backtrack after, um, you know, I'm sure he's prepared for all of these questions. And I, I think he's going to end up giving us uh, very little. But anyway. All right. Let's get to the top of the hour. <clears throat> let's do that. And good stuff's coming in. If you want to uh, get in on it, uh, 641-1010. Four days of, of just complete silence, man. I, I just think I would go crazy. I, 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 I just can't see where that is beneficial. Now, I've heard about getting up and getting away. But to me, getting up and getting away is like going to the Keys, you know, or going, I'm going to go to Costa Rica in two weeks. You know, that's, that's getting away. You know, that's enjoying the beach, okay, playing some golf, uh, spending some time alone uh, with my girlfriend, just kind of enjoying Life as you can. I, I, I can't believe that spending four days in total darkness is actually something that is good. But according to Aaron Rodgers, it is. All right, more of your stuff coming up on the other side. Let's also take a look at the redraft. I think you're going to find that interesting right here in Jacksonville. Of course, they did have the top pick for a consecutive year. Trayvon Walker was selected by the Jags. ESPN's uh, Jaguar beat writer Michael DeRocco had the first pick. If you have not heard who D-Rock selected, good. We'll tell you about it and give you some other nuggets on the redraft. I think you'll find it very interesting. 733. Picture yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010X. 
KXXL 92.5 FM. You have entered the into the night experience. LeBron James, 36 points away. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the Thunder, the Lakers. They'll uh, tip off tonight at 10 o'clock. Think he gets 36 tonight? No, I have a conspiracy. I oh. think that he's going to get like 25-30 tonight, knowing that the next game is Thursday night on national television, TNT, with Kareem's old team, the Bucks, in attendance. The Milwaukee Bucks. Yes. All right, let me take I think a- much more fanfare on Thursday, so he'll save it. I like your theory. Okay. I'm going to go with this theory. Tonight he fills it up for 25. He sits out Milwaukee. Oh. He also sits out at Golden State and at Portland. That's over a four-day period. LeBron's going to crawl into a shack for four <laughs> I days. I this was going this way. Sensory deprivation. He's going to return against New Orleans midway through the month on the same day that Calvin Ridley can reapply for reinstatement as a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The King is going to walk out of the dark hole, a brand new man, and break the record against New Orleans. Drop like 80 points with Aaron Rodgers sitting courtside. Is, um, is what's-his-name even playing? Is Zion playing right now? No, he's been out for a while. If there's one guy that cannot be alone with his thoughts for four days, it's certainly LeBron James. Mm Mm-hmm. You see the story today where he was actually considering playing in the NFL in 2011? Like during the lockout? Mm -hmm. I've heard that before. I mean, okay, does that mean he would have made the – like it's very presumptuous to be like, hey, I was going to play in the NFL. Like were you going to make a team? Is it that easy? No, it's not that Uh, easy. Yeah. If he would have started like in high school, you know, and just played through college, I I could see him being in the NFL, but not remember, in 2011. Remember talking to Toby Gerhardt? Remember him? Of course. Goal line, hand off to Gerhardt. He's bottled up at goal line, second and goal. They give it to Gerhardt. Guy bottled up again at goal line. It's third and goal. They're running Gerhardt. But crying a lot. They're running Gerhardt off tackle. This is like Earl Campbell. This is the 1978 Houston Oilers. Um, he was an unbelievable baseball player in college. Where'd he go? Oklahoma or uh, – I mean, he was a Big Ten. Uh, he was an old Big 12 guy. Was it Stan – oh, maybe it was Stanford in the Pac-10. Yes. It was Stanford. Okay. He was a phenomenal baseball player. And – one day I was just having a conversation with him about the difference between baseball and football. And, you know, we were, the conversation was candid, but you have all these linemen, all these really strong guys that can, you know, bench press 400 plus, deadlift 500 pounds, and then these freakish, incredible athletic guys who can dunk a basketball, who can do also, and, you're talking about not even warning track power if you brought them next door uh, to the baseball grounds. And in a lot of cases, try putting a driver in their hand on the golf course. 
there are different, I mean, there are so many different things that athletes have to do in different sports. So just to assume that you're going to go from one sport to another and flourish is uh, is idiotic. Now, we've had a, a lot of quarterbacks are, are really good two-sport athletes. I mean, Dave Winfield was drafted by four different leagues coming out of Minnesota. That's outrageous. You know that? I've only heard it from you. ABA, NBA, NFL, and obviously MLB. Dave Winfield. But, uh, yeah, uh, that's nuts to me. All right, uh, 74-29 is really, really long here, but he says he's been in the sensory deprivation tank five times. Uh, he says one time he was under the influence of mushrooms. He says that was a truly epic experience. Um, he says it creates an environment where you have no external stimuli. And because of the salt water, you get a sense of complete weightlessness. And you kind of lose touch with your physical body. All right, he goes on and on. He says he has a bad ad. I imagine that bad ad means bad attitude. So it allows me to achieve... Uh, Meditative state. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it seems like the people who have tried to hear seem to believe that that it has worked. Uh, I just don't know. Uh, 7102, if Aaron Rodgers wants to spend four days in a darkened house, let's call it what it is. Uh, he's a weird wolf. As far as respect cards towards women, it's gone away, and it ain't never coming back. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Yeah. Stuff to argue with you there. This guy said, so he took mushrooms when he went in one of those things. Mm-hmm. 90 minutes felt like 10 years. In a good way, I lost complete touch with my reality, my body, my ego. I was a passenger, and it was super inspiring, so be... To be able to let go of that control and just kind of ride the wave. You know, I... Sounds badass. Yeah. I used to really... I had problems sleeping. I had insomnia, and I have sleep apnea, so I, you know, got to wear a mask. Although I've seen that new device now that apparently is starting to make the rounds where... I wonder if anyone has used that. If so, let me know how that works because I'm, I'm thinking about going in that direction. The one in your nose? Well, every once in a while, I'll scare, like, uh, the girlfriend or, or our cats when, you know, she looks at me and I look like Darth Vader. With that. <laughs> the first one I ever saw that was I was sharing a hotel room with David Lamb. Oh. And it was in New Orleans. Uh, it was Florida State, Virginia Tech uh, playing for the national title. And I had a legitimate flu. Okay, this wasn't booze sickness, Bourbon Street sickness. This was legit. And David was on, you know, 6 to 10, and, and that's when I was doing my simulcast show in, in, uh, in Jacksonville and Tallahassee. So I was on uh, from 10 to noon. And uh, th- there was one day that I, I, I just wrapped up the show, and I was like, I was crawling to get to bed. I mean, I was so hurting. And I lay down in... You know, I was starting to drift off, and all of a sudden I hear the numbling at the door, and here Lammy walks in, and he lays down, and he, he puts this gas mask thing on. that It was like Darth Vader. It, it, was, it was a huge device. And I'm like, that's okay. Everything's going to be fine. As long as he puts that on, I'm going to be right back to bed. So I'm laying there for about 30 seconds, and all of a sudden I start hearing like this beep, 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 
beep, beep. I turn what? around. I look uh, at the bed next to me. Lamb's laying down. He's playing electronic Yahtzee. Oh, wow. That's old school. <laughs> it's it's making those beep, beep sound. But anyway. yeah, I'm shocked to learn David Lamb had sleep apnea. Yep. He had it. <laughs> uh, hey, listen. Sleep apnea will kill you. What? It killed Reggie Wright. Sleep apnea is one of the most dangerous things that you can have. And, you know, I think a lot of people associate sleep apnea with being very overweight. That is not the case. If you snore, if you have shortness of breath, okay, you need to see a doctor because you can die in your sleep of sleep apnea. So I, I went to the sleep tanks. They'd bring me in at night, and again, my, my, you know, they wanted me to try to go to bed at like 9. To, I'm like, listen, you don't understand. I don't fall asleep till like 2 a.m. I, I stay up till 2 or 3 every night, and I'm going to sleep till 10 or 11 the next day. That's just the way my schedule is, and, and I love it. And they're like, now we're going you know, to get you to fall asleep here at 10 or whatever. So they put me in. They had me hooked up to all these wires, and you know, they're gauging everything. It sounds easy to sleep. Right, and they left the mic on. So there's a guy and a girl in there, and, and the guy's like, eh, No way. Rick. He's like, Rick Baloo, I think I've heard of him. He's a, <laughs> this he's loud a, mouth. He's like, he's a radio guy. I think he's a radio. And he, they left the mic on. Who's this fat? <laughs> okay, they're on the other side of the <laughs> other side of the glass. And they're like, look at this guy, man. I mean, he's got sleep apnea. He's a young guy, too. I mean, this is like you know, 16 years ago. He's got like 10 years left. Like, yeah, I think my one of my buddies, I, I don't know, too, and and. So I'm literally laying in bed, and they got these cameras, and I'm, like, waving my hands, like, I can hear you, I can hear you. And then all of a sudden, he, like, comes to the mic, and instead of flipping the switch to talk to me, he realizes finally that it's been on the entire time. He's like, yes, yes. I'm like, bro, how am I going to sleep with you talking? He's like, sorry about that. He was so happy that he didn't say anything inappropriate. By the way, 38,000 people in the United States die every year due to sleep apnea. How many? 38,000. That's actually lower than I thought in the United States. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm an advocate for that. It, my sleep is so much better. And I remember talking to Gus Bradley about it. He, Gus Bradley, we had a conversation. And, and, and Gus, um, when he became the coach here, shortly thereafter, he, uh, he, you know, he, he was diagnosed with sleep apnea. And he asked me uh, about it. And the the one thing that that really works with sleep apnea is is you get that REM sleep right you get that it's a, it's a breathing device that instead of you being startled and and shortness of breath and waking up and all that no you you sleep soundly now if you're like me you got to get up every ninety minutes because you got to go pee that's a totally different story I know that game too well. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, just do yourself a favor, folks. I'm serious. If you do that, if your wife's like you're snoring or you find yourself, you know, being startled and you're like, I think I had, make an appointment. It it can save your life. It, uh, the stereotype for sleep apnea is not correct. There's a lot of ladies who have sleep apnea. So look as a. And you won't just feel tired all day. Right. That's the deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I had the time. You know, they they did the, uh, what's it called, next to the, um, oh, 
uh, the the device in your um or or the uh, part of your body in your throat that can make you tired. I, I, I unfortunately can't think of the name right now, but I I have to take some medication for that. Um, and yeah, when I get good sleep, now listen, drunk sleep is drunk sleep. Okay, drunk sleep is not is not good for you. Obviously, I mean, when you have drunk sleep, the only thing you're going to be able to uh, do is hopefully you know limit your your hangover. I'm talking about good solid rem okay and and you talk about the dreams now getting deep into your dreams i my dreams are so powerful i i there are times where i'm dreaming and i know i'm dreaming and i can take that dream with me uh to different places and it's it's absolutely phenomenal i i know there's certain people out there i've read about this i forget the term but you can actually when you know you're dreaming, you can take your dream to certain places. It's, uh, I know this sounds like, you know, I'm. Sounds like Aaron Rodgers talk. It sounds like I'm smoking a bunch of doobies and then going to bed. It's, it's, I'm, to- and, and I'm rec- uh, re- uh, recurring dreams. I dream about the same thing quite a bit. You know, you, one of my you dreams. Care to share? You know, one of my, yeah, you know what my biggest dream is? That I'm going to be talented enough someday to be on during a drive time show here <laughs> on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Uh, keep dreaming. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Lucid dreaming. There you go. Lucid's great. It really is. And it's. There are certain times where I know, like, am I dreaming and I'm not dreaming? So then you do the thing where, like, I jump up and and act like I'm flying, and I can actually fly. I've often wondered if there would ever be a time where I was so messed up in normal life where I would do that fake flying, which I'm away, allowed to get away with when I'm dreaming, but do it in real life and just fall flat on my face. I mean, how cool would that be? Lucid dreaming is the best. No doubt about that. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, I'm not going to go there. As a matter of fact, I need to take a break. Why don't we do that? 641-1010, best way to get a hold of us. That is on the text line. That is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. 73733. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hate Nashbury. You could spend about six hours in Hayden Ashbury and fall asleep for four days, and it would be basically the norm. Um, this new rule in the NHL with a week off mandatory for every team is uh, is kind of bizarre. And, you know, you had the all-star festivities this weekend. You had a full slate of games last night. You got a full slate of games tonight and the whole week. But the Bruins now are going to have to sit out 10 days. Actually, it, it, it's, it's a week. It's seven-day mandatory. But the Bruins end up getting 10. And I'm antsy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always one of those who tells you, I mean, the one expression that drives me crazy is can't wait. 
And, you know, the one thing that that I've always stuck with, and, and I mean it, is day to day, man, every day, and, and enjoy every day. It, it just, uh, I got a tweet today that someone was telling me that golf was boring, and, you know, I, I took some pictures of, I was out at the players, yes, I was out at, uh, you know, the stadium course yesterday, and I was take, taking some photos of some of the bunker changes, and and guys like boring. I can't wait for July. And I'm like, bro. I d- I just looked at him, and I figured he was my age or older. I'm like, bro. Why don't you enjoy this week? You know, enjoy Tuesday of February. Enjoy next. You know, enjoy Wednesday tomorrow. Uh, because just waking up every day is a treat. And there's too many people that are just willing to give up weeks and months. I mean, th- there are legitimately people right now that would give up. Six months to get to football. And I'm like, you got to be crazy. Think of all the great things that you can do in the next six months. But anyway, to kind of go against that, these 10 days are hard for me with no hockey. It's like enough's enough. How can you have a full slate of games on a Tuesday? And I got to wait tonight. I got to wait Wednesday. I got to wait Thursday. I got to wait Friday. And then finally you're going to drop the puck on Saturday. And I got a tea time, so I'm going to have to tape the game. But then that's that mandatory Valentine's dinner with a, with, with a bunch of couples and a whole big shindig. Um, so I'm not going to get a chance to watch that game until probably, because I, I, I got to imagine that the combination of golf and then going out to dinner in St. Augustine with all of these hammerheads is, uh, is going to be a very, very, very long night uh, deep into the morning. So the point I'm getting at, JJ, I don't think I'm going to be able to watch the Bruins-Capitals game until maybe right before the Super Bowl. Well, you can always watch NBA with me. You can come <laughs> over tonight. Yeah, you know I what? I got to watch LeBron in there, that's pe- for sure. I'm going to peak tonight. I'm going to. Absolutely. It is getting to that time of yeah. year when, you know, the playoffs are still a couple right. months away, but things are getting more serious in the NBA. It's still the regular season, I know. The, the the Kings in kind of that same category as Brady. You know, there's no in-between. It's a love or a hate. Absolutely. I, I feel like I'm in-between with LeBron. I, I marvel over his ability. I'm, I'm, I'm not a hater. I feel sorry that whenever you get to LeBron James, it's all about the comparison. You can't have a conversation about LeBron James – until someone go, well, is he greater than Michael? Jo- Who cares if he's greater? Amen. Than Michael Jordan, he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. What? When did all this comparison really take place? Did they do that with MJ? Like, did they compare no. him to? Nope. I think it was because maybe LeBron started. Right after MJ retired, you know, like maybe a few years after he wore the number 23. It was everyone loved MJ. They wanted him to be MJ. They knew he could never be MJ. And now they hate him for it. I remember a Sports Illustrated cover. I actually have it in my bar in in my home of uh, I'm guessing it was 78, 79. It was of uh, back to back Jim Rice and Dave Parker. Rice with the Reds, Parker with the Pirates. And above it, it said simply, who's best? 
with a question mark. And I think that's the first time that I remember it. The whole Larry Bird Magic Johnson was huge in the 80s. And they played different positions. You know, it, but it, and I think we got it with uh with Brady and Manning, and then it got to, you know, Brady and Montana and stuff like that. You know, but Brady and Manning was huge. It was. You know, and, and and Tiger and Jack, you know, Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas, but to me that's always been the wrong way of looking at things because it's like being number two isn't good enough. I mean, we're talking about the greatest of the greats, and we need that undivided he's number one where, I mean, look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, man. This guy is so overrated. If, if I was to say, give me the best centers of all time, give me the top three centers of all time. Um, Kareem, uh, probably Wilt. And maybe Bill Russell? There you go. And I would have said that I think that Russell and Wilt would be ranked higher than Kareem. Kareem to me is a – Kareem to me is the Hank Aaron of basketball. Hank Aaron, it's Willie Mays, it's Mickey Mantle, it's Joe DiMaggio, it's Ted Williams, it's Babe Ruth. Then you get to Hank Aaron. I, I thought he was and still does, the, the late Hank Aaron. I think he's one of the most underrated superstars of our lifetime, and I feel the same way about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay. Just earlier, you accidentally said overrated. I knew you meant underrated. Underrated. Some of our listeners might not have. Okay. Underrated. To me, the most underrated baseball player is Hank Aaron because he does not get – if if you go to a bar right now and you get your buddies say, give me the top five baseball players of all time, I bet you're not going to get Hank Aaron. And I bet you're not going to get Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, you know, they don't have to apologize to anyone, but it's it's amazing how all of that works. I actually think that LeBron breaking his record has brought Kareem back into, like, the lexicon of basketball talk, of great the greats talk. You know, you guys my age, you know, we saw LeBron, or, I mean, excuse me, we saw MJ play. I didn't get to see Kareem play. Oh, he was unbelievable. He was unstoppable. The skyhook was unstoppable. Literally unstoppable. And Robert Parrish would run him into the ground. Robert Parrish, the chief, was was one of the most mobile big men in the history of the game. He could run the floor. You know, that 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 was uh <laughs> are people calling now saying that I called them overrated? This is unbelievable. I love the listeners, man. I make a mistake, you're going to be all on me. And you should. Damn it. Uh, did I just hear? Yeah, did Baluda say? Yeah, that, 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 by the way, that's going to be the, the headline. Baloo calls Hank Aaron overrated. <laughs> to me, he's the most underrated player of our lifetime in baseball. And I would go Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in basketball. Football, man, I don't even know where I'm going to go with that. I don't, I don't know if I've ever – there's never been anyone who's really stuck out for me in football. Football, it's weird because, like, people consider quarterbacks always. But when you think of, like, an, a, a football – the best football player, it's not a quarterback. Now, it may be a defensive player. It could be. Perfect point. Could be Lawrence Taylor. 
Could be Jim Brown. Yeah. My dad said he was the best. That's what all the old school My guys My dad's say. seen them all. And, and again, you can get totally different answers by asking a question in a different way. If, if someone asks me who's the greatest leadoff hitter of all time, I'm going to go Ricky Henderson. Of course. But if you were to ask me to rank the top 50 outfielders of all time, would I even have Ricky Henderson on that list? If so, he may be 35, 40. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's on the list, though. I mean, if if I'm asking for the – what's the greatest outfield of all time? Okay, people are probably going to say put Willie Mays in center, Roberto Clemente in right. Barry Bonds. And Barry Bonds in left. Or Ted Williams in left. Where's Hank Aaron? There you go. You know what I mean? Where's Mickey Mann? Uh, and, and, and Mickey, it's, yeah, DH. But that's the – there's so many great players. And in baseball – you know, I'm making the big deal about the Hank Aaron comment here in baseball. I don't think anyone else makes that that assumption. I, I think there was a little bit of small market for Hank Aaron. Milwaukee and Atlanta, especially then in the 50s and the 60s. And, you know, he ended up retiring in, uh, in 77 when he went back and became a designated hitter for the Milwaukee Brewers. But you don't hear that in baseball. It, why is it with LeBron, man, it's not good enough just to say, look at what he did. It's, oh, no, but he's not Michael Jordan. It's really unfair. It's super unfair. He doesn't help by being a complete ass off the court <laughs> and, like, being so hateable. Like, I am the number one LeBron defender, especially at this station. I love LeBron. I watch him almost every night. been watching him my entire life. But, like... He is so corny off the court. He's such a liar. He's a terrible GM, you know. Uh, so that kind of stuff, I understand why people are annoyed by him. But the constant comparison, it's tiresome at this point. I mean, the guy's been in the league for like 18 years. Let it go. Here's one, uh, 7304. What about Tony Gwynn? Totally underrated. Boom. Tony Gwynn was absolutely Fantastic. In the decade of the 80s, him in the National League and Wade Boggs in the American League was sick. Totally sick. Yeah, there's been so many great players. Our uh, new board op, who's running the board tonight, Anthony, is named after Tony Gwynn. Is he really? He is. This is another guy who died way, way too soon. Tony Gwynn. You know? I mean, boy, I mean, he he was like kind of like Kirby Puckett. I, I want to say those two gentlemen both died you know, like in their 40s. Really, really sad. Tony Gwynn. Man, that guy could hit. This, let me prove a point here. Let me look this up with Tony Gwynn. It's unbelievable, man. The guy had like 3,200 hits. I don't even think he had like 500 career strikeouts. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing uh, what he was able to do as far as putting the bat on the baseball. Just going through his baseball reference page, okay? These are his strikeout totals per season. Mm-hmm. 16, 21, 23, 33, 35, 40, 30, 23, 19, 16, 19, 19, 15, 17, 28, 18, 14, 4, and 9. <sighs> like, there's guys that strike out 14 times in a week. This man had 10,232 Played appearances, official at bats, ninety two eighty eight. So for those of you who don't know what that means, 
that's either walks, hit by pitch, or something you never hear anymore. It's called a sacrifice. Teams don't do that. The day of small ball is long gone, and it's not coming back. Tony Gwynn struck out 434 times in his career. Aaron Judge has struck out more than 434 times in the last two years. Okay? Tony Gwynn hit Tony Gwynn hit 338. 3141 hits. Unbelievable. 908 strikeouts right now for Aaron Judge and he's only 7 years into his career. Tony Gwynn played 20. The most strikeouts in a year for Tony Gwynn was 40. And that was in 1988 when he had 521 at bats. He hit 313 with 40 strikeouts. Yeah. How old was he when he passed? Does it have it here? Uh, let's see. Tony Gwynn died at the age of 54. Okay. Oh, he's been gone since 2014. Has it been that long? You know, we were, uh, I, I really like, San Diego was probably my favorite trip ever when I was a Jaguar sideline reporter. We went out there a couple of times, and they got a Tony Quinn, you know, boulevard right by the baseball stadium and some uh, some pretty cool stuff out there. San Diego, to me, has always been kind of a, you know, a, a somewhat of an underrated uh, sports town. It, they're going to be electrifying this year. Tell you what. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. All right, let's take our final break. Why don't we do that? Hackers coming up at 10. Rest of the week, including tomorrow night, we'll be with you from 6 until 8 o'clock. 3733. Into the Night with Rick Balloon on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, a 7304 says he was at uh, San Diego State. When Gwen was the manager. What a great life for Tony Gwen. I mean, he was born in San Diego, played at San Diego State, then played for the San Diego Padres and went back and coached at San Diego State. Never been to San Diego. There aren't a lot of places I'd leave Duval for. San Diego may be one of them. Um, the reason being, it gets cold here. It's cold here. I don't, you know, you know, I'm a wuss. I'll admit it. Uh, he also says you can add 3,000 strikeouts to Tony Gwynn, and he'd still bat over 300. I mean, that is insane. That is absolutely insane. All right, I got one for you. Let's go back to Hank Aaron. Do you know if you take away Hank Aaron's 755 career home runs? He still had more than 3,000 hits. Wow. Once again, that goes perfect here. He's overrated, underrated. 3,771 hits for Hank Aaron. I mean, he's the all-time leader in ribbies. He's the all-time leader in total bases. He's second in home runs. I want to say he's, I think he's second in hits. Behind Pete Rose, you know, Ichiro, if you if you add the Japanese league, you know, but we're talking here, we're talking Major League Baseball. 
624 doubles. Ty Cobb, number two. Ty Cobb. How, I mean, 4191 for Cobb and 4256 for Rose, obviously. Get with the program, Baloo. Go back and talk about sleep apnea. Um, and he was a marked consistency. You know, he never hit more than 47 home runs in one year. He hit 44 home runs four times. He hit 45. He hit um, 40 in 1973. Uh, he was able to do that. So he, he went north of 40 home runs, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times in his career. And, you know, just about every year that he didn't hit in the 40s, he was deep in the 30s. But he was never one of those 50 to, you know, 60 home run guys. He has a very, I mean, if you just don't talk about the championships, which we all know in the NBA, that's like all anyone cares about. But he has a very LeBron-like career, mm-hmm. like longevity-wise, consistency-wise, uh, able to play into his later years. I didn't realize Hank had so many hits. Hank Aaron was phenomenal. There's no doubt about I don't. Did Milwaukee ever win one? I don't know if he won a World Series. I should know I think he that. won one. Might have been in his MVP, uh, you know, season of like 55 or 56. World Series champ, 1957. 1957. There you go. They yeah. beat the Yankees in seven games. The great Hank Aaron. Just incredible. Absolutely. Totally incredible. All right. Um... You know, there's a couple of things I wanted to do tonight. I'm not going to have trouble. To, uh, not going to have the time to uh, to get into it. So uh, we'll save it for tomorrow. Uh, but you know, I it, it isn't a jealousy thing, and it, when you say it, sometimes it may come across. But obviously, I, I don't think anyone from the radio station is is at the Super Bowl this year. The last time the Super Bowl was in Phoenix, I was there, and I I've been to Radio Row many times, and it is a blast, but man, is it a grind. And, you know, I, I often wonder, is it a better listen uh, for the listeners? It's certainly great for the hosts and whoever it is that, that gets an opportunity to go there. But, you know, they're all pitching products and they're walking through Radio Row because uh, they're getting paid to be there. And, you know, whatever the product is that they're they're trying to wheel and deal, that's part of the reason uh, why that does take place. And you also get you know, just all sorts of of new media, right? Um, media that, uh, and I, I just looked at my, I do uh, apologize. I just looked at my call screen now and see that I had a few folks up. I didn't even have it up tonight, so that's on me. Although I love to blame JJ uh, for stuff like that. I, I'm going to take the punch here. I'll take here. it. I'll fall on the sword. <laughs> I'm going to take the punch here. I had no idea. So to Kevin and some others, I do apologize. I'm not going to have time to get to you tonight. But they they bring in, you know, like the, the first couple of Super Bowls I ever went to, I, I, I remember being like, wow, I mean, this is kind of weird because you have the hardcore sports guys and you have downtown Julie Brown there and you have like Larry Bud Nelman there and you have like all these people there. And and, and it, so it becomes a, a, a big event. But there's always the awful questions, you know, and it it comes up once a year like. Uh, when Doug Williams went, he was asked by a reporter, how long have you been a black quarterback? 
okay? There's always these really absurd questions. Well, did you see the one that came out today to Nick Sirianni? Is it a must-win game? Is it a must-win game? It's a good question. It's one of the greatest questions I have ever heard at a Super Bowl. Well, what did he answer? He looked at him and said, yeah. Okay, good. I mean. I was hoping that would be the answer. And I'm not one of those, and you see it in any local media, it's the eye roll, right? And it's usually by the beat guys. You know, someone, a radio guy or an internet guy or a TV guy, they're not part of that, you know, the normal scrum. Of, of a beat writer, and when you ask a question, they'll roll eyes. Um, I've never been that, okay? I mean, ask away. As far as I'm concerned, there's no such thing as a bad question. This one today, though, with Nick Sirianni, and uh, is this a must game, uh, a must win for you on Sunday, is absolutely, totally perfect as far as I am concerned. I think we're going to find out in a few days that this is one of these trolls or like a late night show or a podcast or I just have a hard time believing this is a real life journalist. I hope it is. And I wonder if the Super Bowl, you know, is I know they've kicked some guys out from Barstool. Yes. They, They try to get rid of some of the silliness. But as I told you, do you even know who Larry Bud Nelman is? I don't. Way back in the day with David Letterman, he was a tiny little old man that kind of looked and said some things, and he was was there strictly for entertainment. He was there strictly to make you laugh. Calvert DeForest. There you go. I'm sure he's been long gone. uh, But I remember seeing him, you know, in the locker room like, Larry Bud Nelman's getting like a one-on-one with Reggie White. It was like the first Super Bowl I ever went to. It was in 96 when Green Bay knocked off New England. And it's like a lot of people are trying to get at Reggie White, but no, he's got an exclusive with with Larry Bud Nelman from the David Letterman show. It, it, do you know the little Mexican guy on uh, oh, yeah. Jimmy Kimmel's show? Like, yeah, he'll be doing interviews. Yeah. And, uh, no, I, I don't. I don't. Super I know Bowl who week. he is uh, from in past. I don't. I don't watch any of that crap anymore because uh, they're way too political me for neither. me. I mean, late night entertainment is about jokes and it's about having a good time. I it's mean, dead. These knuckleheads now getting all political is just um, no. I'm not. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just, just not going to listen to it. So anyway, tomorrow uh, we'll have a better understanding. Uh, with that, I, I do have two things that I was thinking I was going to get into tonight, but I'm going to be able to save them for tomorrow, which uh, excites me because uh, looking forward to everything that's coming down uh, during Wednesday's program. Uh, that'll be from 6 until 8. Again, I uh, got a ton of great stuff here tonight on uh, the text line. And now that the show is coming to an end, I do not check the text line. When I'm not on air, if you have anything that you want to say, the best way to do it is on Twitter. That is Baloo, B-A-L-L-O-U, 1010XL. All right, Hackers coming up next. Tomorrow on a Wednesday, we got a lot to do. Gonna be Plus, uh, the Philly Godfather, not only his pick, which it's been all over the place. You know he's going Philly, but some props that he likes. All the props that are available. We'll do that with the Philly Godfather, among other guests, on Wednesday's program. All right. Thank you to uh, JJ and Anthony. My name is Rick Ballou. I'll talk with you tomorrow, 6 to 8.